You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. everyone welcome to another episode of does it hold up where we go back and take a look at films that were released prior to 2010 just to review them and see if they would hold up to today's standards well we're going back all the way to 1999 to one of my favorite films that i've ever seen the matrix dun 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 i'm adam and i'm emily so let's get this started. Matrix, 1999, one of my favorite movies, but this is... My first time ever watching it. Embarrassing for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's just, it's surprising. Like, it's such a well-known movie that I thought by this point everyone had seen it, regardless if they saw it then or saw it sometime in between. It's just such a massive film. It's, it's surprising to know someone who's never seen it. Well, now I've seen it. Now you have, (laughs) which is perfect, though. We can get started talking about it. So, The Matrix stars one Mr. Keanu Reeves. Ah, love him. Just, he is too good for this world. We need to protect him at all costs. He is a national treasure. He's the new Betty White. (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. Um, There's never another Betty White. (laughs) Um, And so, Matrix is a little confusing for people, especially first-time viewers. So, the whole premise of the movie is Keanu Reeves plays a character, Thomas Anderson, who is living a mundane life working for the software company, and in the meantime is a computer hacker at night. He's got split personality thing going on. He's, totally reasonable. Yeah. I mean, we all did in 1999. Let's, <laughs> let's be fair. If you weren't here. a hacker in 1999, what were you? Exactly. <laughs> um, so, his whole thing is his hacker ID is Neo you don't understand that it's an anagram for one which comes into play a lot later um (laughs) so all of a sudden people start reaching out to him and say hey you've been seeking the truth we have the truth blah 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 then random fbi looking aging guys show up looking for thomas anderson as well well at the same time he's then found by these other computer hacker people who introduce him to the fact that he's not actually living in the real world he's living in what is known as the matrix roll credits roll credits (laughs) and you know the matrix is a computer program created by machines which house humans because they're using actual humans as batteries which is probably not a good idea because we don't actually generate that much electricity. But I guess if you got thousands, I was going to say if there's of enough them, of you, <laughs> there's enough. Um, so the idea is that he meets Morpheus and Trinity, who wake him up and bring him to the quote unquote real world and out of the Matrix. In the real world, there's one city left known as Zion, where all humans now live, and they have to fight the machines. I'm not exactly sure why they're trying to fight the machines other than like they've enslaved the human race. I mean, what, why I, else would you not? I get it. It's just like, 
who was the first one to wake up from the Matrix, and how did that all go about? Well, it also is part of the film where you meet two people that were never in the Matrix. Right, they're that trying to restart human civilization. Yeah, so eventually you need different humans, so you're not just constantly inbreeding. Oh, absolutely, but who was the first human? Oh, yeah, no, I have no idea. Yeah, no, this it's... movie loves to, like, throw things out there and just, that, yeah, they don't need answers. It's good. We're good. Just believe us. I mean, you're living in the Matrix, so not everything has to be explainable. That's fair. We just experience. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I'm not living. I'm experiencing. So the whole point of why Morpheus finds Neo is he thinks he's the one. Pretty much the savior of the human race. He's going to be the one that can actually fight the machines and, and... turn the war to the human side. As always, a chosen one. I mean, it's very clear throughout the entire film that there's a ton of Jesus allegory. Neo is the one. He is the (laughs) savior. He is their Jesus Christ, basically. Um, So, it kind of makes sense. Sure. (laughs) So, he has to find him, but the problem is Neo doesn't agree that he's the one. He's thinks he's just another guy uh, he even goes to the oracle halfway through the film and the oracle who apparently knows everything just tells neo straight up you're not the one morpheus thinks you are but you're not deal with it which is weird because then we find out he actually is the one but oh, good old reverse psychology <laughs> good old reverse psychology but it's really nice um one of the first things i want to talk about in this film and we'll we'll tell you more of the the story as we go here um is the fine detail work done by the wachowski sisters in this movie this movie was directed by lily and lana wachowski um who were not known by that name at the time but that's who they are now so that's how we're going to refer to them that's who they want to be so that's how we will speak about them uh lily and lana wachowski and they spent like six years working on this script on and off and rewriting it went through like 14 different rewrites before it was ever really presented to any studios because they they worked on so many little details like this whole idea of the oracle telling neo you're not the one even though he ends up being the one because during the scene with the oracle it's one of my favorite things to come out of this movie she looks at him at one point and says, oh, don't worry about the vase. And, and Neo turns around and he says, what vase? It. Bumps into a vase, it falls to the ground and shatters. He says, I'm sorry. She says, ah, don't worry about it. Then she says, what's really going to eat you up is, would you still have knocked it over if I hadn't said anything? That's perfect foreshadowing of the fact that she tells him he's not the one, but then he is the one. Where if she had told him he's the one, would he have become the one? And I, it's things like that that make this movie for me. Yeah, it's it's those little instances that kind of show, this movie shows its cleverness. It adds so such fine little details into it, like uh, when Neo is asked red pill or blue pill, in the glasses you see him only reaching for the one pill. And if you look at the other glass, he's not reaching for that one. Yeah, well, not he's at looking all. at the blue pill. If you in Morpheus's, she's talking about Morpheus's glasses yes. that he's wearing, his sunglasses. There's the reflection of Neo being presented both pills. Well, in reflections, 
you usually see an entire reflection. It doesn't split images mm -hmm. in the real world, but because they're in the Matrix, and it happens throughout the entire movie, you can watch Morpheus's sunglass reflections the entire movie and get a whole other story. It is always different, and it's always beautiful. But in this particular scene, he's holding the pills out. There's only one pill in each reflection, and in the red pill reflection, Neo's reaching out to grab it. In the blue pill, he's doing nothing. And, like... That's amazing to me. Like, well, if you didn't know what pill he was going to take, you clearly weren't paying attention enough because they're telling you right there. Oh, yeah. And that's also a nice little feature because in a lot of, like, uh, video games and VR, mirrors are, like, one of the hardest things. So that's actually something that would display kind of the, the fact that it's a matrix is it's going to glitch out a little bit more for reflections than anything else. So it was a very clever little touch that they did there, and they did that throughout the film on various little things I found. Yeah, and it's like so interesting. So many little details, and like one little detail that really stood out to me. I literally paused the movie to show her this <laughs> while we were watching it today because I missed it in my first watch through. I mean, I was thirteen the first time I saw it. I went to the theaters, I saw this movie, it was amazing. I watched it many times since, and that's when I noticed this. But they. When Neo first gets introduced to the fact that he's in the Matrix, and then they take him out of it, well, they train him, they teach him things by plugging him back into the Matrix, but a, a sort of Matrix that they can control. The computer programs they built that they can control. It's where he learns Kung Fu fighting, it's where he learns that there's no limits to what he's capable of doing, and in one infamous scene, Neo's talk, or Morpheus is talking to Neo about the Matrix and about the world and about fighting the machines and, and the machines in the Matrix are known as agents. And he's going on this long thing and this really beautiful woman in red walks past Neo. And, of, of course, course, he looks. And Morpheus, who wouldn't? Yeah, who, who wouldn't? And Morpheus calls him out on it. Were you listening or were you looking at the woman in red? And I got up and I paused the movie and you looked at me and you were like, what? And I was like, I have to show you this. What did I show you? You showed me that there was a whole bunch of twins in the sh in the on the scene as background people to show that they can have duplicates. Right. So, you know, in video games and stuff, for any of our listeners that that are gamers as well, when you play a game, a lot of the NPCs are just copy pasted people. They change the hair color. They, you know, when we did the Toy Story, does it hold up? They did it there, too. Scene with Andy's birthday party. They were all Andy figures. They were all the same exact character design. They just changed hair color or changed clothes. Or That's what a lot of video games and stuff do. And because this is a computer program they created and they wanted to get it together fast, they just copied the same person and just made them different NPCs. And that's awesome detail in a movie like this because that's what makes this entire movie without that small detail it's just another weird movie like hey you're not living in the real world but because they do things like hiring actual twins to be in this scene it really makes you question like huh when i see people that look alike am i in the matrix <laughs> i mean there's several memes of that where it's like three white girls blonde white girls sitting in a row and they're wearing the same exact thing in fall yeah. And it's like, I'm in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, it's always like, oh, I, I found a glitch in the Matrix. And we're talking about, it's 2022 while we're recording this. 
it's been 23 years since this film, and there's still new memes about glitches in The Matrix. That's how much of an impact this film has had over all the years. Um, another little de- We're just going to talk about some of the finer detail here. Some of this is part of the Fun Fact Friday, but it's also stuff that I kind of wanted to bring up. Is If you notice, this is one of my favorite details, the color scheme. Did you notice the color scheme throughout the film? It's very, like, black, white, gray kind of idea. Not really. I mean, it's definitely more muted, but it's for a reason. So, anytime they're in the Matrix, you get a green tint to a lot of what's happening. Because the Matrix code is green. So they use this green hue on everything to kind of be like, check it out, we're in the Matrix. When they're in the real world... It's a blue tone to be like, hey, now we're in the real world. Just in case you didn't know by all the weird stuff happening. But what's interesting, when they're in the computer program with the woman in the red dress, or in the computer program where Neo is fighting Morpheus, there's a yellow hue. I was going to say, it looked a little more orange. Yeah, it's a yellow hue to everything to be like, this is a completely different type of thing. And again, that's so smart. Because now visually... You're telling me we're in different worlds with with your sounds, with your voice. But now visually, I'm seeing it too. So without them speaking, I can immediately go, what world are we in? What does it look like? There we are. Mm-hmm. And that's so smart. Now, to add in my little fun fact about that, it's really interesting that the Wachowskis used blue in the real world. Because do you know what the least naturally occurring color is in our world? I would assume blue. It is blue. <laughs> so well it is a dystopian future you don't know anymore there's no sun that's fair there is no sun they blew up the sun because they thought it would kill the machines because they were solar powered and they adapted but like just interesting that they were like let's use the least occurring color in nature to represent the real world yeah i didn't put that together i was thinking more so it was the matrix was set in the 1999 world uh, in which was healthy, which, you know, showing green of life, and then you go to the dystopian future and everything is dead. Therefore, it is a very, like, cool color scheme. That was my thought to it, more so than actually just putting color theory into it. <laughs> sure, and, I mean, you did. That was your color theory into it. Um, so just super interesting And, you know, that was just a few examples, but if you watch it, there are so many little details that you can notice throughout. The way certain characters look at each other before something happens. These are these little defining moments where you're like, okay, I understand why this movie resonated with people, why it felt special when it came out. So. It was, you could definitely tell why it was special when it came out, although I did peg the traitor from, like, moment one. I mean, I think everyone did, for the most part. I don't know. I feel like you told me that you didn't know, but then again, you watched it when you were 13, so... Yeah, I didn't know I was an idiot. I didn't know anything <laughs> at 13 years old. Um, yeah, he was he was a little too much like, uh, hmm, twirling my invisible mustache, I'm the villain. Oh, he was twirling oh. his little goatee. <laughs> oh, yeah. The little goatee. He should have had a little curve to it. Yeah, that he could have just twisted his finger around. Yep. Uh, that would have been the... Icing on the cake well, for it's him funny being that the villain. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that you saw his betrayal coming because clearly if we're going with the Christian allegories, 
Judas. Yeah. So you had to have one in there. So it was just a matter of once you realized what was happening, picking one of those people out. Who's gonna betray? There's always That's fair. a betrayal. You really, out of all the people that they show in that real world, you only get to really focus on like three of them. And that's, you know, Judas, the guy who sends them into it, which... Um, Morpheus. No. I mean, yes, Morpheus is Tank? there. Yeah, Tank. And uh, the, the other guy that, you know, the spoiler dies that I really loved and I can't... Mouse. Mouse. <laughs> My favorite character the entire movie. Of course they kill him. He was great. He was that nerdy little computer guy. Who he was had like, so <laughs> much <laughs> life and personality. Oh, yeah. Which is hard to have in a dystopian future. And that's what added it. But, you know, something that I always found, so I, this is one of those few rare movies that I can watch multiple times. I don't watch a lot of movies more than once if I've soaked it all in the first time, but this movie I've seen quite a bit, and it's interesting to me because I find Neo to actually be one of the weakest characters. He is so bland. Right? Like, he's just kind of there. Things happen around him. They don't happen because of him. Or he has no hand in what's really happening. Stuff just kind of goes around. Yeah, he was actually why I struggled to get into the movie at the beginning, just in general, was I had the problem of, why should I care? I don't really connect with this character at all. I don't really see him as anything I want to root for. So I had a lot of trouble getting invested in the story, simply because I just didn't really care about the main character. Yeah. I, no, I completely understand. Um, but what I've always noticed about this, and let me know what you, what you think when I throw this at you, is uh, you know going along the Christian lines here, because that's really heavily alluded to in this film, that whole idea of the Savior. The thing is, when we read the Bible, when we hear the stories, when we, it's always the other people. It's Mark, John, Paul... They're all telling stories, and they're all part of things. It's never like Jesus's story. I mean, he's the main I mean, he, it's focus. It's about him. <laughs> it is. It's about him, but it's more about his connection to everybody else and what he's doing for other people. I mean, that's fair. And I think that's why the characters surrounding Neo almost stood out more than he did. Problem with that is is Jesus never got to write his own story, you know, in the Bible. He didn't write his own chapter. So this should be Neo being able to tell his chapter. But just because he's still around doesn't mean he wants to tell his chapter. It could just be that everybody else is telling his story. I could see that. I could also see it being one of those um, storing telling devices where you make your main character not as interesting making them more of an everyman so that any person can put themselves in that spot. I mean, that's why Bella Swan is so very muted is because... Uh, we don't mention Twilight on this podcast. Understandable, but I also read the books, and in the books it is stated, you know, she's supposed to be that muted character so that every girl can see themselves in her shoes. I, I pictured it as more of that, where he wasn't that... It, you know, crazy out there any which way because they wanted everyone who watched it to be able to be like, oh yeah, I'm Neo. <laughs> so that that was more what I thought about it. I just, you got to put a little bit of personality in them to make them interesting. Like with the 
movie series that should not be named, uh, every other character was way more interesting than the main character. And so we didn't really care about what happened to her. We cared about what happened to everyone else. Probably why I got very upset when Mouse died. (laughs) Absolutely. But then it made you root for Neo because he was the one who was going to stand up for all of them being like, I will avenge you. I will get that revenge for you. And if all those characters didn't have personality, we'd be like, well, why are you even fighting for them? Who cares? Great. So we have one per, you know, people with personality, but not the one that is actually doing the fighting. So it's like, I don't really care. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, he gets slightly more personality. If you guys don't know, there's, there's multiple sequels. There's now three. One just came out in 2022. Um, which is unbelievable, but there's three in the original timeline and then one set many years in the future. Um, So he gets more personality. I think they just had to start him bland to start, but it's just, it is interesting. It it can take you out of the film if you're not really connecting or rooting for the main protagonist. Definitely. Like, it took a lot of the... looking out for those little clever bits for me to get interested in this movie period because the fact that he was very muted now two people i got very invested in very quickly trinity and morpheus i didn't care (laughs) i liked morpheus i didn't really care for trinity why not she also was very bland she like they talked in a monotone like the entire movie well they can't be loud when they're in the nebuchadnezzar which is the ship that they all are in, in the actual world. Because if they make too much noise, the machines are going to find them. So they do have to speak in a more hushed tone, kind of keep it level. Is that why? Or no. do you think they also did that while they were in the they Matrix? They also did that while they were in the Matrix. They all did the, like, stone face, like, Ugh, something is really happening. But, like... Even more monotone. That was than that. a wonderful Keanu Reeves impression. Actually, it, it was. was better than I ever <laughs> expected it to be. So, but the like the three like main main characters of this movie. Well, Morpheus not as much. Like he can do no wrong in in my eyes because I actually really enjoyed him. But Trinity I mean, and Neo, I was just like ah, emote. No, do, no, listen, do something. Listen. We get the first fifteen minutes of this movie. With Trinity just whooping ass and and going and, against agents, I'm connected to her from moment bland one. And bland the entire no, time. No, she is such a badass. That I, is that is the thing. She didn't need to emote or all that. She's a badass, and she does emote. She dives through that window in the beginning while running from the agents, turns around, draws her gun, points him at the window. You can see the fear in her. And the fact that she has to, like, psych herself up, move, Trinity, get up. Go. Like, she has to... That's that thing. She's not going to be overly... Ah, I gotta go. No. <laughs> it's just that little, like, moment of just psyching yourself up before a big game or before you got to go out on stage and give a big speech or just that little, like, go. You got... Get up. Now. You have to do this. I will admit that awesome. opening scene was beautiful. And it did make her out to be a badass, just not But I feel quite like as... she did that a lot throughout, where it was, like, subtle things she did... That added to her character. Then maybe they were just too sh- subtle. Because I feel like as soon as Neo came into the story, she was all like, oh, I am backseat to you now. 
I, mean, I am a damsel in distress. I, I mean, Except she was for the, still you know, out there. At the end. Yeah, she was still fighting. She was never a damsel. But she always seemed like as soon as Neo was brought in for me, she felt like she had to take but, us back seat. But you find out why, the, though. The one. Because one is the one, and the whole idea that the Oracle said, you'll know who the one is because you're going to fall in love with the one. So she was clearly falling in love with Neo. So Don't. it's not that she took a back seat. It was their relationship was affecting her. The, she never expected it, but it was affecting her. Yeah, don't get me started on the fact that Neo is, you know, Snow White. No, And no. the fact that true love's kiss saves all. But it didn't save anything. It saved him. And he kiss... literally came back to life. But the kiss didn't save him. It wasn't like, I kissed what? you back to life. It, he literally was sorry, dead, and she kissed him, and oh, now his heart is beating. Yeah. She kissed him back to life. He is no. a Disney princess. I, <laughs> does he have magic hands? Yeah, apparently. Does everybody think his problems were solved just because a guy arrived? Yes, Morpheus. <laughs> oh my god, he might be a Disney He's princess. He's a Disney princess. <laughs> um, He's a chosen one. So... Speaking of Morpheus, though, since he's the one that came into his life, let's talk about that character, because I think he is probably my standout. Him and Agent Smith, who we're going to talk uh, about next. Yeah. But I think Lawrence Fishburne, as Morpheus, is probably some of the most perfect casting I've seen in a movie. Seriously, though. Like, he embodied that character to a T. Like, if somebody was like, hey, Morpheus is a real person, I'd be like, yeah, totally. And that's him right that's there. That's him walking around in Hollywood right now. I'm pretty sure he just uses Lawrence Fishburne as an alias to work. I mean, we are in Morbius. the Matrix, so yeah. that that's Morbius and Morbius. In the it's not Morbius. Morbi- <laughs> <laughs> we're not. Uh, we're not going there. Morpheus. Morpheus. <laughs> um, but it's like the things he does where. He clearly clearly cares about all the people that are around him. But he's also focused on the mission, and there's so much hurt and pain in him because, you know, Cypher alludes to this. And in a deleted scene, he actually tells Neo that Morpheus has found the One multiple other times. He has brought the One on board the Nebuchadnezzar multiple other times. And guess what's happened to all of them? They died. They died. They fought the agents, and they died. Although I will admit when they, he first mm-hmm. brings that up, because I he does do Well, that. he doesn't explicitly state it. He hints at it here. Yeah. It's only in the deleted scene that he actually explicitly okay, states it. Okay, when because when that came up, I initially thought it was everyone on the ship that they thought were the one at some point to find out they weren't. But they, they were still they, out. Yeah, no. They were just his crew. None of them were ever the one. They were just his crew. But with him having found other ones, is like, he's so dead set on Neo being the one. But he was that dead set on But he was dead set on ones. all of them. But you can see that in his eyes. When he so desperately wants Neo to be the one. But there's also this little pain underneath everything that he does of, like, he knows he's lost other people because of his stupid decisions. But the, pro- the thing is, he's going to continue to make those stupid decisions until he finds the one. Because the mission is more important than a singular person. But that doesn't mean that the singular person doesn't affect Morpheus as well. And I think Fishburne just 
brings all of that to the surface, and it's so nice. 100%. He does a lot of the, the subtle acting that I absolutely adore, where you can see emotions beneath the surface. So it's not just having to yell out, I'm upset, it's, I'm going to be doing this a thing. A quick glance over but his I'm shoulder, a little, this way. a little nod, a yeah. little twitch of the eye. Because um, the scene that really just hammers home Lawrence Fishburne being the second most valuable person in this film, and we're going to talk about the most valuable in a second, um, towards the end, agents the agents have captured Morpheus, and they're kind of torturing him. And then Agent Smith sits down, gets in his face, and kind of tells him why he's doing what he's doing. And I 100% believed watching this movie the first time, and even now, watching it again for God knows how many times. Wait, did you guys actually just beat the crap out of Lawrence Fishburne before <laughs> you started this scene? Like, were some of those hits real? Like, were you guys being overly aggressive? Because he he embodies every part of this. When he fights Neo in their training sequence, I'm like, damn, Lawrence Fishburne's a badass. He's like, <laughs> Maybe he is. Yeah, he could kill some people. But then he gets beat up later, and you're like, oh, I feel so bad for him. And you completely forget that he's a tough guy because he embodies the hurt pain. Oh, I now. I still remember that he was the tough guy. I That just made the fact that the other guy was beating him up, being like, oh, shh. Like, Shnikes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, holy yeah. cow. And that's just, again, like you said, that subtle acting is amazing. Let's talk about my MVP, and it sounds like it's probably it your is my MVP, MVP as well. of the film as well. Yeah. And that's Hugo Weaving, who you guys may know as Red Skull from the Captain America movie, and V from V for Vendetta. He's been in a lot of other stuff. But Hugo Weaving plays Agent Smith, who is like the key agent for the machines, who... Whenever somebody is logged into the Matrix from the real world, the agents are basically the machine's bodyguards. They're part of the machine, and they can take over any person at any time. They can never die. They just find a new host. Yeah. And they have to hunt down all these people and kill them. And they can dodge bullets. They're faster than you. They're stronger than you. They can't be killed. Like, it's amazing. And Hugo Weaving plays the boss of the agents. And my word, every time he is on screen, I am fixed. I am transfixed by that man in this role. I mean, how impossible is it to play just that kind of I'm superior robot? But I'm a robot. As I'm a, a human. human. I'm a human robot that's superior to you. Just, and, and It's to exhausting be... to say, let alone yeah. try to act. <laughs> And, and to have this otherworldly quality about yourself in this space that is so human, it was incredible to me. Yeah. And it is that whole idea of the subtle acting of, I'm going to be slightly unnerving every moment I'm on screen. And that plays well. Like, Hugo Weaving's such a good actor because he sounds so robotic and his voice, but his voice is so harmonious. Oh, yeah. That it's like unnerving because the way he's acting is very off-putting. But then he's speaking and you're like, I'm kind of drawn into what you're saying, but I don't really like the way you're doing things. <laughs> and it's so unnerving. I mean, his whole monologue about why he in particular is going so hard on Morpheus 
was just spectacular. It was like, I'm with you 100%. You just want to be away from us despicable humans, because... And I want to be away from you, like... But what's great about that part, too, it's one of my favorite parts in the whole movie, that whole little back and forth between them where Morpheus is getting beat up and then he monologues to him. Because, I'm sorry, you're a machine, right? Why are you getting so emotional in this scene? Because he's, he's got AI. anger in his eyes. He's got hurt in his eyes and in his voice. And he's getting really worked up while talking to Morpheus. But you're a machine. You're supposed to be very... I am robot, I do job. And he just doesn't do it. He brings this life to this lifeless character. I mean, that's kind of what draws you into the whole idea that this is AI. This is technology that has grown and could actually uh, supersede the human race as uh, the, the top life form. Yeah, but that's Hugo Weaving bringing it. He, yeah. he brought it so hard where you're like, when he shows up on screen, first of all, his, one of his opening lines of dialogue of just being, he, they're hunting down Trinity in this opening 15 minute sequence. And this officer is like, hey, you can't go over there. Don't worry. I've already sent two men. And he just goes, no, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. <laughs> like from that line, you're just like, there's something about you. You bring this gravitas and this weight to this role, and I have never wanted to watch a character more on screen than I want to watch Hugo Weaving be Agent Smith. Yeah. And as a, a life form, he doesn't seem all that threatening, but as soon as he moves or talks or even looks at you, you're like, oh no. Yeah, he doesn't look threatening until he does stuff. It's Or until he turns and looks at you, and you're just like, oh no. Yeah. And then oh, no. he, so he brings the, the dialogue to life too. Like this is a very convoluted script. Obviously you guys can tell by the kind of weird plot that's happening of dystopian world, future world, but also the real world, but not the real world. Cause it's the matrix, but it's the world we know. Super confusing kind of, but the dialogue and everything is actually really good. It tries its best to explain things without, like, sitting down and for giving you just a 10-minute monologue of, this is the way things are. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it kind of drops these little nuggets throughout, and each character never betrays their character with things they do and say. And Agent Smith is just a great example of that, because one of my favorite little, again, these little clever things is, if you didn't notice, Agent Smith never refers to Neo as anything but Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Throughout the whole movie, because he does not care if you are in the Matrix or the real world. He he knows Neo has found the real world. And that that's not what his name is. Everybody else is calling him Neo. But he's like, no, you're in the Matrix. You are Mr. Anderson, period. That's kind of a way of putting him down, too. Yes, but that's the subtle things, again, the little details in this script that work so well. And, like, Keanu Reeves is our main star of this. It's his, it's his movie. It's his story as Neo. He has... He doesn't have the most dialogue in the film. He doesn't do a lot of talking. In fact, until the end of the movie, where he's on the phone giving his little monologue about how... 
hey, I've woken up everybody. We're going to continue. It's your choice on where we go next, blah, blah, blah. Before that moment, which I believe is seven sentences of dialogue, he never has more than five sentences of dialogue in a row throughout the whole movie. He drops a line or two, and then he's done. Well, most of his lines up until that point are, what? You know, it, it's it's all <laughs> because the... he's confused. He's still learning the world along with us. That's the whole point I was just about to make was he is our our bridge into this world, and so he has to play more dumb than I, he probably should. Right, probably. So, but they also play a lot of the um, pronoun game. Who? What? Yeah. Let me ask follow up questions because you don't explain yourself well. Which, that's definitely. Neo is is the audience at that point. Yeah. He's being explained things, and he's asking the questions we would also ask. And I think that's why the the script works, because even though he's our main protagonist, he's actually our embodiment in the film. Which is probably why he's so bland. Probably, because I'm bland. (laughs) Um, So I think the script just works really well. I think it's paced really well. You know, they have those down moments where it's like, let's talk about the world, let's build things. But then they're like, here's an action scene. Or here's some really cool stuff happening. Here's the scene where Judas Cypher is betraying Neo. And they kind of cut it up a lot where you never find yourself really lulled except for probably the first 20-ish minutes after the opening Trinity sequence. It gets a little slow there. But once they get going in the Matrix... It's full force. See, I had a little bit of issue of that because, once again, this is my first time watching it, and I had major questions just right off the bat, so that first 20 minutes were so hard to get through, and then it was just like, here's an hour of exposition. With with some cool fighting and stuff in the meantime. Okay, now let's get to the actual, what we're doing, what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, how else do you set up this world, though? It's such a, a, a low concept idea uh if you guys don't know i know a lot of people get this confused i got it confused for years when people say high concept that actually means that the majority of people can understand it there's a high understanding of that concept when you're talking about things that maybe you don't understand or the wider range of audience won't understand that's low concept stuff so some people (laughs) some people confuse that and they think like oh, that was a really trippy movie. It made me think a lot. That's a really high concept movie. Reverse. Reverse that. Yeah. So this is a really low concept movie. I don't know a better way to do it other than just kind of like, here's, we're going to be thrown right into the Matrix with Trinity at the beginning. Now we kind of have to talk you through what's happening. And now we can finally get into it. I just feel felt like they could have added some of those little glitches in the Matrix into that first 20 minutes so that, they Didn't can, they? Not that I was seeing. Not enough. I mean, enough of the of the glitching of the Matrix when the agents are first coming for Keanu Reeves' character in his office. If you notice the boss talking to Thomas Anderson before the agent shows up, mm-hmm. sounds eerily like Agent Smith. Uses the same vocal cadence, uses the same types of words, and calls him Mr. Anderson. That's why Hugo Weaving does it throughout the rest of the film, because it remi- it will remind Neo of the boss at his job. 
they do have little details if you look close enough throughout that first 20 minutes. That is so, like, nitpicky for me of, you have to really watch this movie, like, 16 times to be able to notice it's the same exact cadence to do, like, you could have done more, not, like, subtle, but, like, things that are visual. Well, how about the idea that when you're outside of his office building, of Neo's office building, it's called... Oh my god, what is the name of their building? Cortex? Sure. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I would have just preferred to be visually shown that there is something off, and that probably would have intrigued me more into the beginning of the movie, because I immediately was like, why should I care? Why why does he think that there's something off? Why are we not seeing that? why he thinks that there's something off? Because we are given brought into this world and he's already apparently searching for the truth and it's like but why your life seems so normal nothing is super like matrixy about it so i think if they would have portrayed that better in that first 20 minutes i would have been more on his side of okay yeah we really need to find the truth what's the truth instead of just being like well okay apparently this is this guy's hobby and we're just along for the ride so that that's what I'm talking about with that aspect of <laughs> you need to show and not just tell. You need to show me that there's something off, not just tell me that there's something off. Yeah, but I think that was kind of the point is we're not supposed to know things are off. So if Neo started pointing stuff out of like, that's different, that's weird, why is that happening? Or if it was so visually in our face then the whole twist of the Matrix versus the real world I don't think would hit as hard. Because we would have known, like, why is this weird? Why is something going on here? But as someone who actually, like, understood that they were going to be in the Matrix going into it, seeing those little things would have been better. And probably much better on repeat viewings of being like, oh, (laughs) everyone has this exact same mug because they wanted to copy and paste this mug. You know, that sort of thing. Like... Make it, once again, you have to draw people in as to why he thinks this place is different. That's fair. Like, why why is he on this quest to find the truth? Without knowing that, I was like, I don't care what the truth is. To me, I always read it as in just, we're all trying to find the truth in some way, regardless of what it is. We're all just like, what's our purpose? Is this world real? Is it is what's happening around me actually happening. I think it was just kind of an overall, especially in 1999, it was just that overall feeling with a lot of people. Um, So the thing I was trying to think of earlier, I just had to look it up, but one of the small details is on the outside of Neo's office building is the name of the company, Metacortex, C-O-R-T-E-X, Metacortex. But on the stuff inside, the signs and stuff inside, it's spelled metacortex, C-O-R-T-E-C-H-S. And I don't, I would like to think, I'm not 100% sure, but that to me seems very deliberate, where it's like, those are the types of little differences, little anachronisms that you're like, why is that weird? Why is that different? What's going on here? And I think those are the little hints that they drop in to let you know something's going on. Then maybe they should have dropped more in. Because I'm sure there's probably I know a ton I that I've did not, not look even at that. noticed. I'm sure there's tons I haven't even noticed after so many repeat viewings. 
But that's kind of what draws you back into wanting to watch this movie again and again and again and again because there are those little things that you can notice. So, all right. Let's move on, though. Um, this movie, huge. Made a ton of money. Spun sequels. People still reference it today. It also won four Academy Awards for Best Editing. I mean, clearly, some of the stuff they did in here with the cameras and the editing is, is just brilliant. For the it, time. <laughs> well, I mean, every all the stuff that you see now is just copying what this movie did. It's just technology and everything's advanced. They've kind of perfected it compared to this movie. But this created a lot of stuff. It created the slow-mo and the bullet time. It created uh. the, the camera spins. <laughs> it created all that stuff. So I have this to, to blame for that. I mean, no. You have this to thank for that. No, I'm just kidding. You can have your own opinion about it. Yeah. But I thank it for this. The problem is everybody then jumped on board and just overworked it. So my major problem with that was it, it decided it found something cool. I will admit, a lot of those things were super cool. But then it just did too much of it. It was like, okay, we're going to have a fight scene. 99% of it's going to be in slow motion. But, but they did like a mix of slow motion because the characters may have been in slow motion, but the bullet fire and stuff was not in as slow motion. It was in a more real time kind of effect. They, I'm just saying they overdid it way too much. That's fair. And it just... it. After a while, I was just like, oh, just get it over with already. Yeah, can can, I, I we, can we go? Can we keep going here? It, uh, it honestly, it for me, dumbed down a lot of the action scenes rather than elevated the action scenes. So that's fair. Um, let's talk about the other three Oscars that they won. So they won Best Editing. They won Best Sound Editing. I'd admit to that one. That one okay. was good. They won. Now, the Academy used to have different awards than it does now. They they periodically change the awards, combine them, it's evolving. Um, They had best sound effects editing. Mm. You know, it was specific to just not vocally, not music editing, not that kind of sound, just for special effects. I could see that one as well. Yeah. And then it also had, obviously, best visual effects. Because I think the visual effects in that movie still look amazing. The bug that they implant into Neo when they catch him in the office still gives me nightmares. It still looks like that bug could crawl in me right now. One of the the interesting things that I had actually found out about this movie way before I saw it was just how much practical effects that they used in this film. You would honestly think this film would just use constant CGI for how crazy it was going to be, but such scenes as them taking the, the bug out of Neo was actually done practically. And uh, I think one of the shots of uh, Neo sitting behind a column as it's exploding was done practically. Correct. So you, adding in those little bit of practical effects really did elevate this film and made it a little more, uh, uni- not universal, um, where it stands the test of time. Oh, uh, timeless? I, yeah, I, I sure. I don't know what you're looking for here. <laughs> I, there was a different word I was thinking of. Sure. But it, it stands the test of time when you use practical effects, in which I kind of wish we went back to in today's day, you know, yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Because anytime you have, spe- uh, like, visual effects of, like, uh, CGI effect, you're really going to date yourself. So a lot of the ones, a lot well, of the CGI think. that they did in this film are just like, eh. That's why I think this movie is rewatchable because 
only about 20% of the film use CGI. Whereas when you look at things like the modern Marvel movies, it's kind of like a 50-50 split. A lot of stuff is CGI. I, th- I actually think it would be more of it a It might even be higher. more than that. I've never really looked into it. But even backgrounds are all CGI and stuff. But these yeah. were all practical backgrounds. that they, they, they weren't building just like two columns and then green screening everything else around them. They try to do as much practical as possible. And that, that's amazing. Um, so going to break in real quick for a, a fun fact. So we get a lot of people, the whole idea of like, in this movie is presented of you're waking up from the the dream slash nightmare that is the real world or is the the matrix Mm -hmm. to enter the real world neo the character keanu reeves do you know he wakes up we watch him wake up seven different times in this movie (laughs) seven different times is just a scene of him waking up from whatever it may be yeah so weird well, I mean, if you're coming out that many times, it would logically make sense that you're watching him come back out of it. But, but, but to show it every time, they were just really hammering home that idea of waking up from the dream that is the Matrix. Let's just wake up, guys. Everybody just wake up. And they were just really hitting it. Because he's obviously not the only character that we see wake up. We see a lot of them wake up. He just happens to be the one we see wake up the most. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the action. Because I think... The action in this movie is very well done. Um, I think it's got a lot of good things going for it. What do you think? Oh, sorry. Um, For me, the action was very interesting. Once again, I I struggle a bit with it, with using those, like... uh, the the slow-mo and the the hyper-stylized camera movements really took away from the action, really. I think the... the s- <sighs> it's okay. Take, take a second. <laughs> take a second. Think what you want to say. I think the action sequences were very interesting. Would have been better with uh, not as hyper-stylized camera movements and the slow-mo. And I, See, I'm the exact opposite, though. I think that's what helped make the action is... I think if we would have watched all of those gunfights in just real time, it would have been like one over way too quickly. That action scene would have lasted two minutes and we would have been done. And I don't think it would have had that impact that it has when you're getting them like a a real time cartwheel to pick up a weapon probably doesn't look very cool in slow-mo watching him grab that weapon cool that was definitely just cut together because there's no smoke in that doesn't instance matter. doesn't matter it took You've, me so far out of that moment because no. it was oh all dusty in the wide shot but then the quick shot of him grabbing the gun because it's no at dust. Low, because it's at low level all the dust is like waist up where they're shooting at him they're not shooting at his feet why would there be dust at the feet? there was dust all over the no, place in that no scene so okay so let's forget that scene for a second let's go back to our so we get the Trinity action scene, which set off the whole idea of 360 camera work, and you've seen it done. I think Shrek parodied it. Yes, parried it did. Parodied it. Period. <laughs> oh my god, I cannot <laughs> talk right now. Jeez. I've been talking too long. Yeah. Um, that whole 360 shot, like that's brilliant. What a cool technique to use. Which she just floats in the air. And then we spin, and she just sends this dude flying with a simple kick. 
and right from the get go, you're like, oh, dude, this action is gonna be just groundbreaking. It's gonna, it's gonna be unlike anything you've ever seen. And then we get like they're jumping across rooftops. She's jumping and barrel rolling through windows, like cool action that I had never really seen done before. Then we jump forward and we get our next big action piece is Keanu Reeves, Neo, versus Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus after Neo's been downloaded. Cool concept, too. I wish I could just hook my brain up to a computer and download stuff to learn. Yeah, that would be really That'd handy. That would be super useful. Um, but he learns all these different things, and then they go to fight. And it's, one, a fantastic fight. They do a lot of long shots. Uh, which used to be the norm before movies started just chopping action scenes to hell, where it was like, I can't even tell who's fighting who because, but this one, you get a lot of long shots. You get a lot of the actual action. Um, and I just love the little bit where Neo's getting ready to fight and he just kind of brushes his thumb against his nose because that's an old Bruce Lee thing. That's I was going to say, there was definite his... nods to Bruce Lee yes. in that fight yeah, scene. He even, and then Morpheus does the little finger curls of like, bring it. Which is brought in again at towards the end. Yes. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But that action scene, like, Neo goes through, I think, three or four different styles of fighting in that one scene. Mm-hmm. I love when he runs up the pillar and then backflips over Morpheus. And you're like, oh, he got him. Oh, he flipped over him. He's going to land and he's going to do some cool stuff. And Morpheus just turns around and just kicks him as soon as he lands, just sends him flying. And I just love that little subversion of, like, oh, Neo's going to, he's moving so fast and it's so cool. And Morpheus just whoops him. But the action itself is really cool. You know, it harkened back to those old, like like that Bruce Lee movies where you really got to watch the action. They didn't cut around it to hide the non-contact. They were like, no, we're just going to show you them beating each other up. So that one's really cool. Then we get our biggest set piece of the lobby scene. This scene is is famous. It is, everybody knows this scene. Neo walks into a lobby, has a bunch of guns in his coat. Him and Trinity just go nuts, just killing dudes. Shooting up the place, everything, flipping off walls, all that stuff. Tell me what you think about that. Because I think it's so easy to watch, fun to watch, and so exhilarating. I know you don't like the slow-mo. Look past past the slow-mo. The action isn't just slow-mo. Yeah, I, like I said, I really like the choreography of these fights. It made them a lot of fun. They did a lot of very interesting things with the fight. And kind of, once again, uh, showing that they are in a matrix. They can't really do this in the real world kind of idea. And they put that to the test and they, they delivered on that. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. It's What makes that set piece so fun is because it's set in the matrix. They can do these things that normal people well can and cannot do you know you have hyper athletes who can do weird runs up walls and stuff like that but not in the way that these people did it um and it's just so interesting i get it it's a bunch of no-named goons and they're taking them all down it's just fun yeah and it's cool to watch them go through all these different kinds of weapons and just they're untouchable in that moment Although, I will uh, say they overdid it a bit. Just a bit. Aesthetically, it's cool. Sure, but when you unload an entire mag into one dude, like, what's the point? That's not even an agent. 
Because that dude could become an agent. You just gotta be safe. Oh yeah, o- overkill yeah. Is, is what it is. Overkill so they can't be agents. Or just double tap also, them like John Wick and be done with also, it. And save your ammo for the rest of the people you have to get through. But who cares? It's the Matrix. These people aren't real. Once again, you still don't have to overkill them. Like, you're just wasting ammo at that point. Yeah, but it's cool. It looks cool. Sure. It's, it's like... It just makes on. me think how wasteful you are. And no. you clearly did not understand how many people you'd be fighting because I feel like they run out of bullets yeah, at some point. Yeah, they don't even need the bullets. They then just why take did the, they, they use the bullets the, in the first place? They just take the other guy's guns when they run out. <laughs> Trinity just walks over. You know what he wouldn't have to do? That if they saved on ammo. But they could use the weapons it, that they specialized in. But then in. it wouldn't be so cool. Like, first of all, they're specialized in all weapons. They just downloaded it in oh, their heads. Yeah. But, like, come on. Then you wouldn't get that one scene where Trinity walks over, high kicks a shotgun over a dude's shoulder, grabs it, and shoots him in the back. Yeah, I'm not even sure how she did that. Who but cares? It, it was great. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> Um, so, oh, fun fact, at the end of that scene, so they show this wide shot of the lobby at the end of the scene, if you remember, yeah. to show the carnage of what happens, yeah. and on the left-hand side, there's a pillar, and, like, this big chunk of the pillar just falls. Yeah. Not planned at all. <laughs> Literally, they went to go do the wide shot, show the aftermath, everything was all set up, they're rolling, they're rolling, it just starts giving away, and boom, falls, and the Wachowski sisters were like... That's so good. How come we didn't even write that in there? We should have done that on purpose. That, and they were like, just leave it. That just, was a classic scene. That was so good. And then they just blow up the whole lobby. Yeah. Just just blow it up. But then we end with these with this wonderful choreographed fight of Agent Smith and Neo in a subway. Mm-hmm. That is when they fly at each other shooting their guns and it goes into the bullet time and you're watching these bullets whiz past their head. And they're just firing. They're not even coming close to hitting each other. And they know it. But they're just shooting anyway. And then they both land. And they're empty. And now it's like, let's go hand to hand. They jump down into the railway with the subway coming. They jump up and fly in. Like, Agent Smith picks up Neo and, like, throws him into the ceiling. And he comes crashing down. Like, inventive fighting. It was, like, normal human fighting. But, like, times a hundred. You know why what, that wouldn't have had to happen? If he conserved his ammo. But what does it matter? Agent Smith can just dodge the bullets anyway. Not if you have his gun to his head as you fall down. If you don't just keep firing while you're spinning in the air. I mean, you could say the same thing about Agent Smith. He didn't have to keep firing. Yeah. But I think This movie would have been over real quick. <laughs> but I think more or if less... If people were smart about their ammo. Neither one of them wanted to fight with weapons at that point. Smith had a point to prove of you're not the one... And Neo had a point to prove of, I can do this. Conserve your ammo. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, but you have to admit, but the fight to be is fair, really cool. Because they didn't conserve their ammo, we got a very neat and inventive uh, fight scene. So yeah. I, I'll, then, I'll concede to that, but conserve your ammo. And <laughs> from this movie, especially that scene, so Chad Stahelski is Keanu Reeves' stunt double in The Matrix. He got hurt when he got slammed into the ceiling. Like any human. (laughs) Like any human. He got slammed into a ceiling and he got hurt. Um, That's not the interesting part, although that is also interesting. Chad Stahelski is the guy who later, now, you know, his stunt work's done. He got hurt too many times. This being one of those times he retired from stunt work and he wanted to get behind the camera. 
he went on to be one of the directors of the first John Wick movie, and then he directed the second and third John Wick movies by himself and got Keanu Reeves because he met Keanu Reeves being his stunt double on The Matrix. So without The Matrix, we don't get John Wick. I will have to thank The Matrix then. There you go. So you don't thank The Matrix for the slow-mo, but you thank The Matrix for John Wick. Of course. Awesome. All right, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, so then we get to the end of the movie. We've had this whole fight scene, fight scene, fight scene. They got to save Morpheus. Neo's not the one, but he's also the one. Cypher screws everybody over, kills everybody except for Trinity, Morpheus, and Matri- uh, Neo and Matrix. He doesn't kill and Matrix. And Tank. Kind of. My second favorite character. Um, <laughs> so, that all happens. The big fight scene with Agent Smith. And then we'll get into it. Agent Smith in a hallway. Neo's running down to find a landline, which dates this movie kind of hard. That they have to find a landline to be able to get out of the Matrix. To yeah. answer the phone and get out. But, you know, they made a 2022 version. And, you know, they still used landlines. They were just harder to find. Because they still exist. They do. So he goes, busts through this door like, ah, I'm going to get there. Agent Smith is already standing there knowing he's going for that phone. Pops a bunch of rounds into his chest. Neo's dead. Then your favorite part comes in where Trinity kisses him and he wakes back up. Yep. Disney princess. (laughs) we get one of the coolest things ever. Smith is terrified that he got back up. Yeah. And he unloads like an entire clip at him down this hallway well all three of them do oh yeah and then a great foreshadowing moment comes up because earlier in the movie morpheus tells neo neo asks oh wait i can dodge bullets and morpheus says when the time comes you won't need to yeah so neo just does the super cool thing he puts his hand up and all the bullets just come to a stop he plucks one out of the air, inspects it, and drops it, and the rest fall. Agent Smith is pissed, and he r- sprints down that hallway. And I love that moment for Hugo Weaving because one, it looks like he's gonna fall into Keanu Reeves when he gets to when he when he <laughs> matches up with him. If you watch it close enough, he's running so hard that short distance that I don't think he stopped in time. They had to like do something weird because he kind of stumbles, and it's really funny. Yeah, I didn't even see that. <laughs> it's so funny. But then, like, he just starts going. The agent's going as hard as he can because he's so angry. And Neo starts just blocking him and countering him. one hand. One hand. He looks bored. Yeah. (laughs) Just do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Block, 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 block. Ah. He, like, yawns, checks his watch, you know, all this (laughs) stuff. And then just sidekicks him. And this is super impressive, too, just for a human being. He sidekicks. Then... Keeps his leg up in the air, rotates his hip where his leg then goes to the side of his body, and then slowly brings it to the ground. And I'm just like, that core work? Jeez, <laughs> man. Like, that's just impressive in and of itself. But the whole idea of, like, him just being able to stop bullets, you're like, that's cool enough. But knowing how fast agents can move to dodge bullets and do all this stuff that they've been doing, that Neo blocks everything that this guy's throwing at him one-handed... Puts him on this god-tier level. And it's just, what a moment. What a cool moment. I know, I just wish we got more of that. That we got that more, like, a little bit earlier so we could actually see that really take shape. 
instead of just like a five minute sequence. I understand. I, I wish we could have had it more, but I think it just kind of being sprinkled on there almost adds the mystique to it. See, now my problem with that comes to the fact of that basically ends the movie. Like he goes out, he come, he he rejoins the well, matrix. He first, first he blows up Smith. So he kicks Smith down the hallway, then he runs down the hallway and and dives in to Smith. Like he, sure, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he ghosts him and like dives into him to possess him and blows him up from the inside, which is basically him going in and destroying Smith's code. Cause that's, that's all the agents are. They're just code. So he goes in and he blows up the code and then he looks at the other two agents that are there and they run. They are terrified. They run. And then we get to the end of the movie. Which is him basically calling and being like, I'm the best I'm, I'm Matrix ever. Jesus. Yeah. I'm Matrix Jesus and everyone will fall before me. And then just flies away. And I'm just like, that is such a sequel bait ending if I've seen one. And no, like, this is also coming from me who knows that there is future films. So it might have been different back in the day when that was the when you didn't know that there was going to be another movie. But for me, it was just like, this isn't actually the end of the story. You watched all of this for nothing. Well, you didn't, even if it isn't the end of the story, you didn't watch it for nothing. It was the beginning of the story. You yeah, but if you never got a sequel to that movie, ugh, how but terrible to, would that be? So for me, I've, I watched that movie numerous times before there was even a sequel announced. It's a very good standalone. There's no sequel bait to me. That just seems like, I've, I've mastered my powers. I'm going to come wake you all up from the Matrix, and we are going to fight this war. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted I to see. That, no, that's all I That need. is the story that I wanted to see, not... No, no, no. This guy needs to learn that he's the one. That's the entire story if, that this movie if shows. If you want to watch humans fight against machines, go watch Terminator. Nah. That's, that's not what this <laughs> movie was. This movie was Neo's journey to become the one, and that's what we get. I, I completely understand watching it. If he can fly away and what he says in that monologue at the end, he's the one and he's going to go win this war. I don't need to see the war because he's going to win it. I wanted to see the war. I wanted it to pay off that I sat through this entire movie watching him off. become his Jesus. Journey. Yes, he became the one. That's it. That's the story. You can't have more. You can totally have more. You can have him actually win the war. But you don't need it. If this was a standalone movie, it would still be just as good in my eyes. I don't need the sequels. In fact, the second and third one aren't as good as the first one because they go into this whole war that we don't need. He's the one. Everything Morpheus has told you throughout the Matrix is that we will win the war when we find the one. They found the one. Wow. Me personally, <laughs> I would have liked to see more of the the war. I understand. I understand that, but you can't be mad at this movie for not giving you the war. I mean, I can. You can't. What are you? <laughs> are you? Yes, I'm mad that they did not give me any bit of the so war. So you wanted this to be a three-hour movie so that they could add. I mean, this is already a two-hour movie. You want another hour of war? No, they can get rid of some of the other parts. But like, what? That's all part of his journey. He That's what this need, like an hour for. worth of exposition dump <laughs> and training montage. Yeah, no, that was all cool. But, but it, it still took an hour where it didn't need to. But isn't that part of his journey to get where he gets to at the end? You don't get to where he is at the end without all of that. If not, then you then you'd be sitting here complaining that 
it went too fast. All of a sudden we met him and then he was the one. <laughs> I'm just saying they didn't need as much of that. Fine. I don't... T I'm... Take away some of the training and give me a little bit of the war. I don't agree. Even if you cut to the end of the war. I don't See, care. But I, again, I don't need it. He's the one. He's... <gasps> he's le Okay, let us know on Twitter at doesitholdup13 <laughs> if you needed more in this movie or if you think this movie was standalone good. Yeah. Where it's like, you understood he went on and won the war. No matter how it happened, he did it. He woke people up from the Matrix like he said he was going to, and, he, and they fought a war. Sure. You could have also just liked to see it. Fair. So, so let us know. Yeah, let us <laughs> so, know if you needed it. Otherwise, we'll just keep going all day. <laughs> um, so my last fun fact before we wrap up this uh, slightly overly long episode, I just, I really love this movie. Um, so the green code for the Matrix looks really cool. You're watching it on screens at the beginning when they say the Matrix, that's how it forms, like all this stuff. It's all weird, cool green code, and you're like, ah, it doesn't make any sense to me. What is it? It's sushi recipes. <laughs> the visual effects artist who created the Matrix code took his wife's recipe book, sushi recipe book, took all the symbols and all the everything out of it, rearranged it, and rained it, and made it green for the code. So I'm sure somewhere in there you could probably find a really good, like, California roll or tuna roll <laughs> or something if you, if you look hard enough. Yeah. It, it's so interesting, like, the way they find these things. Because you're thinking, oh, man, did this guy just draw things? Is this, like, real code somewhere? Is this what? No, no, just sushi. It's sushi. <laughs> so... I actually have a th uh, thing I want you to think about. Okay. Would this movie have done as well if it wasn't groundbreaking visually? If it wasn't, like, is this a superior movie or is it a gimmick movie? So, you know me, I hate gimmick movies. Movies like Boyhood, uh, apologies for anybody who, you know, no apologies. I don't like Boyhood. <laughs> uh, it's a gimmick movie. It's not a very good movie, but the idea that they shot it two weeks every year for 12 years is a gimmick. People were like, oh my God, it's, we're watching these people grow up in real time. This is so cool. I gotta see it. I didn't like it. I didn't like Birdman with Ke Ke uh, Michael Keaton. Gimmick movie. It was, ooh, we didn't edit. First of all, you edited a bunch Stop lying to us. There's a ton of edits in there, guys. Like, hundreds of them. Do not let them lie to you. But I don't like gimmick things. This, I don't think, was a gimmick. To me, this was very much... Uh, I want to say 1996. 96, 97, 98. Somewhere in that range. The Truman Show with Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. He's living in a fake world, basically. And then he has to escape the fake world by the end to yeah. live his real life. This is action Truman Show. Same kind of idea. He's living in a fake world. He has to wake up from it and enter the real world to actually start living his real life. I don't think the Truman Show is a gimmick either. So I don't think this so is... So it's not... I think this is so thought-provoking that regardless of the slow-mo, regardless... You could get rid of all the slow-mo and all the 360 camera work. You could get rid of the bullet time. You could get rid of all of that. And I still think this movie works... Because it's interesting, and again, we're 30 years later. People are still making memes about being in the Matrix. They're not making memes about bullet time. They're I mean, not making they memes <laughs> about slow-mo. They're not... It's about the Matrix, the idea that we're living in a computer program, and I think that idea alone carries this movie. 
That I, I, I could see. I definitely thought this was very thought-provoking. We actually had a few discussions mid-movie about living in the Matrix and, and seeing glitches and that kind of idea. I just think if it doesn't have that kind of draw of that kind of action and um, like camera hyper-stylized camera work, that uh, slow-mo, if it didn't have that and wasn't the first ones to do it, I just, I wonder if this so, would have gotten the love that So it to did. answer your question on two levels, without the bullet time, without the explosions, without the action, without all that stuff, I don't think it gets the love that it got. Yeah. I don't think it hits that, like, one of the greatest movies of all time, top 50 list. But I think it becomes a really great cult movie, like a fight club. Yeah. Where it's like... Yeah, the fighting is interesting in Fight Club, but the idea behind Fight Club is what really garnered the attention of people. I think this movie, even without all the explosions, posters still get it put up in dorm rooms. I think just with the explosions in the top 50, it just moves up a ton of spots. Yeah. You know, I think that adds to it, but it's not the entire movie for me. So thinking of it made today, it wouldn't be super groundbreaking. No, mostly because it it, it already was. It and already was. It. Yeah. So you believe that it has the merits to stand on its own, even with special effects so not wanna, being the. So let's just roll this right into our into our finals here. Yeah. Okay. So I'll answer first, and I know normally we get your thoughts on if something holds up or not, but you asked me, so I did. I'll go first. <laughs> so for me, I think this movie one hundred percent holds up. That even today, it would be amazing, with with or without anything, but with everything, I still think even today, it would probably be one of the top grossing movies in the box office coming out right now. Mm. Regardless of anything else, it would still, I mean, people are still showing their kids this movie, which means obviously it holds up for a lot of people, that it, it wouldn't be groundbreaking We've seen it, we've done it, but I think this movie does it in such an interesting way. And the mere idea of us being in a computer program can start so many discussions. People would really have deep, thoughtful conversation about living in a quote-unquote matrix. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this movie, no matter what time frame it came out, would hold up and work. Makes sense. You? For me... It is a lot tighter of a race. I will still say it holds up. Give me a, give me a percentage. Like 50-50, 60-40. Like how much of this movie holds up for you? I would say closer to that 60-40 range. I think the story and how thought-provoking it is really carries its weight. But the idea that if, if we didn't have those groundbreaking effects... The acting just isn't quite there. It's not as universal. I, I, I would fear that it would become one of those B-rated movies if it came out today where those effects aren't super special. Nothing crazy about it, but it has such an interesting concept that most people probably wouldn't have gone out to see. I think it does still hold up. People should still see it. I just don't... I did not get as much fervor as as any, all, all the other people. Maybe because I went into it having the idea that it was supposed to be this great, amazing film, and it just didn't have that much 
for me. So you're 60-40. That's fine. It I'm still 60, technically 40. holds up it for you. It does hold up. It holds up for me. Uh, let us know on Twitter what you guys think. And next week we'll be back with another episode. And keep watching movies. Bye.